You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. Sick Biz Buzz is brought to you by the good people at J Hill Marketing. Ha! That means we are good peeps, Robert. LOL. J Hill Marketing just rolled out a book editing division called Bookmark, which allows authors to keep their copyright without sacrificing professional execution. And we slash the overhead of traditional publishers all at the same time. That's the meaning of multitasking. Translated, this means that we pass the savings on to you. If you want to write a book, reach out, check it out. They're helping authors everywhere get published just head on over to j hill that's two l's j hillmark.com slash bookmark my guest today is super awesome and even a local friend i know can you believe that i've actually like seen her face in person it's (laughs) angela halgramson is the queen of the boogers (laughs) award-winning mom's choice award independent publisher book award kids book nobody likes a booger among other engaging books that she's written she travels the country reading and speaking to children about her message which we are going to dive into she also understands the challenges of working and building a brand and authorship while navigating health challenges. Angela is a survivor of traumatic brain injuries and is now partnered with the Minnesota Brain Injury Alliance, an organization that provides help, hope, and a voice for the 100,000 Minnesotans who live with a disability as a result of brain injury. She is also one of the funniest peeps you will ever meet in your life. Literally, every time she's on Facebook, (laughs) I'm like dying and peeing my pants. It's ridiculous. I'm grateful for her every day, and especially today, because she is here with us to share her story. You're so sweet. Welcome. You're not supposed to be talking now. (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) You're saying all these amazing things. I'm like, is this me? I don't know. (laughs) you. Welcome to the show. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you. (laughs) You're doing a lot. I mean, I'm just a truth teller. Hashtag truth teller. But you are seriously doing a lot with your life and... You know, and people see you on Facebook. I don't know if some people know the extent of what you're dealing with and and you're still accomplishing so much. So I want to take you into today and tell us how you got here. How did you arrive to this moment in your life? Oh, wow. Um, well, thank you again for having me. This is, a, this is awesome. Uh, I know we've, we've tried doing this a couple times and um, uh, schedules and everything else hasn't worked out, but I truly appreciate it. You are extremely inspiring to me. So um, it is an honor to be on the show with you. Thank you. Oh, well, we're so happy you're here and, and sharing your story that a lot of people don't. Well, I don't know if a lot of people, but I would say our listeners don't know. Yeah. And um, honestly, I kind of keep a lot of things a little bit private. Uh, I don't have a ton of Facebook friends on purpose just because I can be silly and goofy and and uh, do things that people probably would question and go, what? What's her deal? But um, it's me. And um, I like to keep some things private that way. Uh, 
I guess what happened 16 years ago, the first TBI, traumatic brain injury that I had, um, I was pregnant with my son and I had um, preeclampsia. And for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's where when you're pregnant and your blood pressure goes all wackadoo and, and really you swell up. And I was in the process of birthing him and my heart kind of gave out. They, I had too much, um, I guess, pain medication or it was with the epidural and that's when things started going haywire. And um, I ended up, uh, I guess, having asphyxiation issues. Um, so it would be kind of like somebody who's drowned and um, they have to kind of go back to this normal life and have to deal with all these disabilities now, having a new child, um, balance issues. I had uh, occupational physical therapy and speech therapy, I think it was three to four times a week. Oh, uh, goodness. Physical therapy was twice a week, uh, or I'm sorry, two times uh, a day. And mm -hmm. I think it was like three times a week just to try to get my balance back and um, kind of rework your brain to kind of get back into, I guess, what people think normal life is. Sure. And um, that was the first one. And thank goodness my son is okay. He's great. He's super smart. Uh, he's AB student. And we're very fortunate because he's a bit of a miracle. The second TBI that I had, um, I was having surgery and both of my lungs collapsed. And with that, um, I had, again, another hypoxia uh, issue with the brain. My brain was without oxygen for a while. And um, fortunately, I didn't have the physical problems that I had with the first one. It was more of the, the mental, I guess, problems that I had with it, the concentration, a short-term, long-term memory, um, all that stuff. So um, the second TBI was, I, I think, honestly, I think the second TBI is harder because, again, I still look the same. Yeah. But, but people, they don't quite understand it. If I was to walk around with a cane, which I did with the first TBI, they, it was like they understood. It was like, oh, I get it. And instantly they had a compassion mark where the second time I still looked the same, but my brain wasn't functioning properly and I would forget things or I still do, you know, and now I've just learned to just say, whatever, I, I'm only me. I can only deal with whatever. I'm sorry if you're upset, but that's how I roll. That's how I am. And um, I get over it, I guess. If, if they don't get over it, I end up getting over it. And, um, and so it makes it a little bit difficult when, when people are expecting so much of you, but, you know, you can't do you. I had to create the new me. And so I couldn't go back to my old job because uh, I was a hairstylist. And when people sit down in your chair and they go, oh, yeah, I'll just give me just give me what you did the last time and I'm thinking I don't remember if I ate today <laughs> I can't oh my god what how do hairdressers <laughs> do that the last let me think six weeks ago you were here we talked about your husband and how he's annoying the crap out of you what did we, right. did we feather you what did we do what this is the 80s like what <laughs> yeah so you want a perm again I mean I, I honestly I was just kind of like oh I can't I can't do this. I, you know, I would make notes. Every, every hairstylist kind of makes notes about the last thing that, you know, we talked about. 
And, um, but it was a little bit more daunting than that. And then not to mention because both of my lungs collapsed, I couldn't be around chemicals and hairsprays and all that jazz. So, Oh no. So this was like the perfect storm to get out of your job then. Yeah. And instead of laying in bed, uh, feeling sorry for myself, which I did, don't get me wrong. I, I had that period of time of like, why me again? Why, you know, what is happening here? So I just, I kind of, I've always been a little bit more of an optimistic person. And I thought, well, you know, I could just lay here and feel bad and nobody would think anything because it is kind of a crappy thing to happen. But I thought I got to do something with myself because this is just not going to work. And um, I've always been in love with writing stories and, and um, having fun with kids. When I was a uh, when I was younger and I was babysitting, I would write these little stories <laughs> for kids. Um, and I'd say, okay, I'll, I'll do a little story for you, but you got to go to bed and then I'll read it to you. And I would just create so many fun little adventures for them before they went to bed. And, and so it's kind of one of those things where I've always enjoyed it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to make something out of this, it's going to be a positive thing. And um, I ended up getting in contact or my publicist got in contact with the Minnesota Brain Injury Alliance. And they said, well, yeah, I mean, if she wants to come on board, that'd be great. So it's such an incredible organization. So I get to talk to kids about helmet safety, making sure they wear their helmets when they're bike riding and um, talking to them about kids that are different, you know, kids with disabilities. We look different on the outside, some of us, but we're still human we're still kids yeah and we shouldn't um we shouldn't put them in a different box because really we just want to be treated the same we just want to be treated the same I mean there's things that you can't be treated the same about and which is great Mm -hmm. um because that's why we have the disability act and we have um things for people that are disabled but we essentially we still want to have a normal conversation and how people with disability don't always look the same. I don't, I, you can't tell from the outside that I have one, but it's what's on the inside that is happening. And I think telling kids that they get kind of a, a better understanding about everybody in the room. And so many kids are like, oh, I've had a concussion and I've had this or that. And they're so young and it's just <laughs> like, oh man. <laughs> it's, a, it's where to start though. With Mm -hmm. changing this narrative and the stigma today that everybody is, you know, so many people that I've met since starting this nonprofit, everybody is dealing with something, but society just has this idea. They're so visual. If Mm -hmm. I don't see something, you know, on you that is really indicative that you're struggling, you have a problem, there's a medical challenge then I am going to say something because that's an injustice. And so your job and what you're doing is huge with these kids because you're changing that narrative really, really young. So then they can move forward and they can say, oh, you know what? I know so-and-so and they have a disability, but they yeah. look like a, a regular person walking around so then maybe they're going to grow up and not be that person who challenges somebody in the handicapped parking lot you know it's a very big mission and um it's just it's just super important what you're doing 
Oh, thank you. But I think it is right because there's a lot of kids that do have um, the the brain injury part of it and they don't, you can't see it on the outside, but they're just the weird kid, you know, at mm -hmm. school. They're just the weirdo. And I always giggle about it when I'm in the classrooms and I'm proud of it. And I say, Hey, I'm a weirdo. I'm a goofball. You know, <laughs> I, I enjoy being a, oh, a weirdo and a goofball. And I even had somebody say to me once, they, <laughs> you know, you're such a goofball. Are you like this because of your brain injury? And I'm thinking, no, I've been like this since birth. <laughs> I just, the brain injury just makes me not care what people think. <laughs> yes, it's so true. And you just get so tired of defending yourself to like random Linda over there. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I'm sorry, Linda. Should we dive deep into your medical history then? Right, How's exactly. That going that you had surgery. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that invasive? So I told Totally get that. Um, I want to ask you too. Are you doing stand up? Because get <laughs> <laughs> no. on the stage, do some. Uh, I would come see you. Would, I would you? Be, yes, of course I would. <laughs> I would. I'd be like in the front row. I'd be like, oh my god, Jesus, terrible! I'm stand up. We gotta. You know? I could, you know, honestly, these days I couldn't do it. You know, I'm probably more like I would be definitely more like an Ellen. Uh, kind of stand-up, kind of cheesy dad jokes, but the nowadays it's just because everything has to be so politically correct that you know. I mean, that it's not that it's bad, but sometimes it's like, oh, I'm offended about this, I'm offended about that. Yeah, Listen, I've been offended so many times about so many different things, but where does that get me? <laughs> it gets me no, nowhere. I, I know, I know. So it's just kind of like, well, we gotta, unless it's something like super egregious, but in yeah, it's a dangerous. It's like a slippery slope. It's yeah. stand up right now with people. So this isn't like the greatest time maybe to investigate that. But no, but the funny thing is is that I'll probably take a lot of dads out of their dad joke business. <laughs> you will. Oh my God, you so well. So all of this coming together, then you're traveling around and you're talking to these kids and you are on book tours like across the country so i have to ask because i did buy the booger book nobody likes a booger and that's Thank how we you. met yeah. yeah and you signed <laughs> it and that's how we met was that um a book signing so like how many people can say that like i met my friend at a book signing she's an author it was you so know? great i was so excited to meet you and i'm like oh my god you're gonna be there and that was so exciting yeah oh it was wonderful so what is the bigger meaning behind nobody likes a booger well <laughs> actually both my books are about meaning or about uh, manners oh okay and so so actually let me back up a little bit because let's familiarize people with the theme of this book <laughs> right <laughs> well so nobody likes a booger came to me when i was doing a a book um even actually i was doing a book tour of colorado and <laughs> i was scheduled literally from the top of Colorado to the bottom of Colorado. Oh. And I had like five days to do all this and like multiple schools. I think I was doing seven events in like five days. So it was bonkers. Oh. But I would get back to my hotel and I was covered in boogers. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was just... What? With, being with kids, you just had slime on you. Yeah, snot. Snot from one end to the other. Man. You know, because kids want to hug you and they just are like so excited. And of course, I'm a hugger. And so I'm hugging kids back and, you know, I'm covered. And so I was just like, oh my God. I was... 
I thought to myself, well, okay, there's got to be something out there because these kids, either they just don't know that it's not appropriate to hug somebody and wipe their nose on you, or... (laughs) (laughs) Or they're just needing a lot of Kleenex in school classrooms, which is true, people. If you have kids, just do something nice for the teachers. Send a box of Kleenex just because, because they're going to go through it. Um, So I thought to myself, you know, I just, I got to figure this out. And it was so crazy because um, (laughs) I think it was the next night I woke up at three in the morning and I wrote. (laughs) On on the pad on the thank God they have that in the in the hotels. I was always oh, yeah. like, "What is this for?" But you know, honestly, now I know. <laughs> for for people like brainstorms. Yeah, it's like crazy ideas in the middle of the night. So I just wrote out this little teeny manuscript of a book, and and uh, then when I got home, I kind of wanted it to be rhyming. So then I kind of put it together in a rhyming sense. But that's that's kind of where it came from. And Lenny the crow, I grew up with crows. I love crows. They're, to me, they're the, the, well, they're the smartest bird, I think, besides a parrot, but. Mm, um, Interesting. They're really incredible birds. And, um, and I just kind of felt like we kind of needed something where it's a really smart bird, but maybe they just didn't get the manners on that. So that's kind of the background with Lenny the crow. And I named the characters after um, Lyle is my grandpa and his sister, my great aunt is Lucille. And then um, Lenny, a friend of mine, when I was really sick, um, he is now a priest, but he came to visit me after I had my son and, and just sit with me when a lot of people were just didn't know how to handle me, I guess. I I don't want to say handle me, but you know, it's just, I was different. And so he, he just, wanted to hang out and so that was that was really great so yeah so I got my characters after that oh my gosh that's so meaningful too and they do they know that I mean oh yeah oh that's amazing yeah when I had the um the um the book signing I guess it was like the book launch party um they my grandpa was there and his sister and and Lenny showed up all dressed in his you know his priesthood and I'm like there you go <laughs> this is a picture so <laughs> so that was the best it was a lot oh of fun gosh. that's yeah. amazing so mm-hmm. how has your life changed in terms of before and after and and I mean like we've talked a little bit about your moving jobs but your entire perspective has shifted yeah, and I'm sure when you interview people, you realize, and and they, and they say that like, I have a different objective in life. I I don't take things seriously. I honestly, the second time, um, if I can get kind of deep, I was suffocating to death, and I knew it. Mm. So I was riding in that ambulance, and I was taking my final breaths, and I think. I think then when you, when you have that happen and you know, my gosh, you know, please tell my family I love them and all this stuff and things are running through your head. Um, if you do get a second or a third chance, like for me, I, I have had a few chances now at life. Um, you don't want to ruin it by anything. You don't want to miss out on anything. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to, you don't want to waste it because life is precious. So for me, I just am like, I, I I want to try to help people. I want to try to do as much as I can, even if it's making people laugh. 
you know, sending out a silly meme or making a stupid Facebook post. You know, it's just, if I can make a person giggle over something, you know, a day, that'd be great. That's what, that's what I'm happy for. That's what we're here for is to affect people most definitely. And you're definitely living that. What is the best part of being an author for you? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think just um, making kids laugh. That's yeah. the best sound in the world. It really is. It's just pure heaven. <laughs> and do, they talk to, do they talk to you about, I want to grow up and write books too? Oh yeah, I um <clears throat> now don't make me cry with this, but this is this was something really meaningful. I had a little girl that um she uh had a extensive brain injury when she was born. And um she came up to me after one of the author events and she put her hand on my face and she said, "I'm going to be an author just like you." Oh my god. And she was walking with a walker and oh god, it just got to me, you know. And, you know, that's, that's what gets me is like, I'm giving hope to kids that have been put in a box and just probably feel like, well, there's nothing I can do, you know, because of my disability. You can do anything you want to do. Just do it. Yeah. I, and that's the other stigma that you're changing is that we don't have to be put in a box. We don't have to be on the couch. We don't have to be on disability. And I want to say that with the caveat that sometimes that is a great option for people. But for people who are not wanting that for a variety of reasons, your life can be totally different. It's, and it's, it's not in terms, I think we think about it in terms of good and bad. And it's really, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It has to do with what it was before and now it's different you mm -hmm. know and different isn't bad different is what can i do with this yeah you know, exactly how, right and this is what you're doing you're traveling well the world but you're traveling <laughs> like every time like, do we have a location <laughs> tile on this woman <laughs> i don't know where you're, like i wake up and you're like good morning from sacramento and i'm like <laughs> <laughs> I know some of my friends are like they've hashtagged it on Instagram like where's Angela now you know I love it <laughs> so I'm now, on in I've actually started doing that now and it's like where's Angela now hashtag so it's it's kind of fun it's it's a really a fun thing to do I'm extremely fortunate and I never take anything for granted on that honestly I you know, when I do school visits mentally because I have brain injury issues, <laughs> it's so tiring. It's so mentally tiring. And, you know, and I, I get overwhelmed. I get, you know, major brain stimulus going on because you think about all these kids and th that's a lot going on there. And especially when I'm in a lunchroom doing a lunchroom visit, oh, oh, man, it's like bonkers. God. And, I know, and then you've got like the <laughs> added stimulus of the pizza boat. Like, yeah, <laughs> on a Friday, and then you're like, well, and the pizza boat's here too. What am I supposed right. to do? Right, exactly. But you know, when I get back and I'm just sunk, and I just think, gosh, I'm so fortunate. No matter how hard the next day is going to be to get up and get moving, and hopefully, I'm not drooling on myself. <laughs> well, you know, we all hope that every day when we get up. But <laughs> so, part of having a traumatic brain injury or TBI, as it's termed, right, is. Um, 
you have mental exhaustion. Now, does that cause physical fatigue? Do you get emotionally overwhelmed or what does that look like? Oh yeah, definitely. And I've learned to cope with it. And I think, you know, with a brain, your brain can find different avenues to deal with things, which is amazing. I know a lot of people that deal with pain for, you know, they kind of, they have to laugh or they have to find things humorous. I became more sarcastic probably after my brain injuries (laughs) Um, because, you know, when people are standing in line, they're just like crabbing about their coffee or something. I'm like, good God, if that's the only thing you got to worry about, man, you got life. You you know what? You got it pretty good. You really do. Sit back and think about it because someone's taking their last breath right now and you're complaining about a coffee. <laughs> no, I so, was complaining about the coffee. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 you were, no, that's not being <laughs> ruthlessly mean to someone making your coffee. That's oh, well, unless yeah. you're going to go beat up your Keurig after, don't worry. You know, I may, because seriously, if that thing does not get the let out, like we need to have a talk right now, you're going to go the way of the trash. But so so you need to. So you you get you've gotten more sarcastic. Do yeah. You have do you have more emotions as far as like are you overwhelmed a little bit more or what does that look like? I definitely was before. So I, it's hard because my memories are I kind of call them my fake memories because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're they're the memories that other people have for me. And so by telling me over and over and over again about things, they've become my memory. I don't know if a lot of people can understand that, but it's recall memory. So um, my mom would tell me about a lot of things that would happen when Jake was little because I don't have that, that recall. Sure. And, um, but I do know that back then after I had Jake, I, it was hard for me to even be in a room with more than 10 people. It was mentally exhausting. So just having to deal with, you know, like a newborn, having a, a baby, having a brain injury, having to learn how to walk again, having to learn how to communicate because I would say something and then I would look at people's faces and it's like, am I speaking, you know, Italian here? I and mean, what, what is the look on their face? Right. Because I had no filter and it was like, I didn't mean how it was coming out. And, you know, and I think it's kind of a two-way streak. You have to understand that somebody that has a brain injury, they don't have that filter sometimes. So the emotion part of it is where you can think and go, well, you know, if you say, I don't really like those shoes or, Mm -hmm. you know, those shoes are not great. (laughs) So then you'll go, you know, you'll just say something, I guess, without a filter, like those shoes suck. (laughs) <laughs> instead of like, you know, those shoes aren't great, <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, okay. maybe not that with that outfit, you know, or something and le- that doesn't match completely. That's just, and then you think, well, this person isn't, she was never rude. So what's going on? So I think that was the part that was difficult is having to kind of get back that filter in a way. Oh, sure. And where, you, so you have to think about it before. Yeah. You actually say something. You have to like take a step back and go, okay, I'm going to say something. Those shoes yeah. don't go with that outfit. Like that's the thought. So what am I going to say that matches the thought, the kinder thought? Yeah, exactly. And, I, and, and just to 
have people understand that sometimes, you know, when I do the brain injury events with the Minnesota Brain Injury Alliance, which I'm so grateful I'm a board member now and oh, I get to really be a part of it. I know. I'm so, I'm so honored about that. It's just, yeah. it's just something where it's now full circle for me um, working with them because it, they really are such an incredible group and they really care. They truly care about people with brain injury. Yeah. Um, and doing the brain injury events, when people come up to you and, and they are, you know, pretty blunt on things when they say it, um, you know, you just roll with it because you just know that there's no, there's no meanness to it. They don't mean to be rude or mean. It's just something how they say, and Hey, that works. You know, it is who it is. And, and I think people that have family members that have brain injury, they have to get over themselves a little bit. You know, this person <laughs> is not the same person. You know, it's not like they're just instantly mean. But, um, you know, when people have Alzheimer's, they start to go through that, you know, the, the five-point list of they have um, anger, outbursts, um, forgetfulness, um, emotional. Like, they can go from one to 10 emotion wise in like 30 seconds oh my word all that stuff does happen with somebody with a brain injury too sometimes it can be mild sometimes it can be you know extreme um there's many people that deal with brain injury and they have anger outbursts and they've never had them before but that's your brain just kind of being overloaded like i can't do this um i've seen a lot of people out and like uh, crowds, state fair, for instance, the state fair, I, I just kind of shut down and I can't really look around. And my family knows that we're out and about and, and all of a sudden, you know, my, my kids and my husband are looking at me and they're like, okay, she's shutting down. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go. Too much. It's too yeah. much. And then, so when you go home, do you have to rest more because you've been so overwhelmed? Like, do you have to take your brain out of that situation and, and give it a break? Is that how you recoup from being overwhelmed? Yeah, sleep, definitely. I can guarantee you if, if there's a big event going on, I'm probably sleeping in the car on the way home. Okay. Unless I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and then there's these auto cars that are coming along. So that's going to work out really well. You know? I just put it on auto. Boop. <laughs> well, I hope I get home. Oh, it's just such comfy cars. Okay. <laughs> but I know there's a lot of people that have been out there in this and who are listening to this that all of a sudden are sitting there and they get to that afternoon tiredness where, oh my gosh, I can't even keep my eyes open. And and they yeah, just, absolutely. and get that tired feeling. That's how I feel my brain starts getting, even though I don't show it on the outside, my brain is shutting down. And yeah. some people have seizures. Some people oh. just have, they have to sleep, sleep it off. And so I'm definitely one of the sleepers. Well, that's good. I'm glad you don't have seizures. I didn't know that was a manifestation of being overwhelmed. See, this is so interesting. That's why we try to bring on so many different guests is that to provide that perspective and the different education. And this is what the truth is about living with something like a traumatic brain injury. Um, you know, just thank you as a Minnesotan. I want to thank you for being on the Minnesota Brain Injury Alliance. Thank you. And getting involved and taking what you were given, taking your situation 
and and doing the best with it that you can. This is the takeaway for anyone listening who's really struggling. And you know, when things happen, we're just hit out of the blue. It's interesting. We learn a couple of things. We learn we're not invincible. I think that is a hit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it's a hit to the ego necessarily, but it is a little presumptuous for us to think that I'm just going to skate along in this life and then I'm, there's going to be just a calm and seamless winking out at the end. Like there's <laughs> yeah. not, that is not, you're, you're going to deal with something, an accident, an illness, a disability, uh, struggling time in your life, even if it's short term, you're going through treatment, something of that nature. And so the most, I mean, from doing this show, from being, you know, working with this nonprofit, from talking to you, especially today, it's like it's being driven home that you may have a different life, but you haven't lost your ability to choose. Yeah, exactly. You still get to choose. You still have a life. You're still here. Yes. You still, and so it's like, are you going to choose to have your life that might be different, that you're going to need to navigate differently, or are you just going to give up? Why would you choose to give up. This is what I don't understand when people are, I get it. You're angry. You're sad. You get kind of mired in depression. Some of these things might be clinically based. Absolutely understand that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you can get yourself out of this emotional quagmire, like why wouldn't you? Yeah. And that definitely does happen. People with brain injury, depression is extremely high. Oh, sure. And a lot of times, here's the thing that, you know, I've learned from the board and I'm dumbfounded. We, we were having a board meeting and one of the, the claims people that work with the claims representative of people, they, when they reach out to patients, because we get patients logs sometimes on people that have brain injury, just to make sure that they're okay and they're getting the help that they need to get it. A lot of them don't even realize they've had a brain injury. Oh my God. So there's no help. I mean, they're going through life and they could have family members that are like, whoa, what is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with this girl? They're, they're angry all the time. They're depressed. They're, they've changed after this accident or this or that. Well, yeah, because you've had a brain injury and you can't function the same way. And you're trying to, you're trying to put a, a, I always see like a square block and a round hole. You can't do it. You have to mold yourself into something that fits. Because you can't get back to that person. Is that no. part of, that's part of the acceptance is, in, is this where the anger is coming from? I yeah. can't get back to being that person. Oh yeah. And I was definitely very angry for a really long time because I was like, why, why wasn't anybody there to help me for the first one with Jake? And And why didn't anybody see the signs of this, you know, and why didn't my doctor do more? Because, you know, clearly you could tell that I was suffering. I was gaining so much water weight. I was um, slurring my words. I don't know. I think they they thought at one time I was having seizures still while I was pregnant. I was losing track of time. Um, I would get in the car to drive to the doctor's appointment, I'd go to the grocery store. And sometimes I still do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there are so many things where in my mind you have this, this um, program. And then when the program gets all messed up and jumbled, you get so angry over it. And why, 
you know, and first it's like self-hate, why me, why me? And that's when the depression starts. And then it's outward anger. And then you start getting angry at everybody else because somebody should have helped. Somebody should have done something. And, but you know what? That's not going to solve anything. It's the anger part has just, you just got to let it go because it's going to eat you up alive and you're wasting the life that you have being angry. Yeah. And the, and the indignation that people hold on to, I feel like um, they think it's serving them to some degree. Like if I hold on to this indignation, it means that what happened to me is important mm-hmm. and nobody will ever forget that and I'll make sure of it. But I think it's fear too, that if I let this go and if I'm lax about it, something can happen again and anger does not serve you. I no. think, you know, like the only way it seems, I thought about a lot about anger um, in my life. And I think the only way that anger serves us is when we channel it into a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's like an alarm system. Like, oh, I'm angry. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, we don't always have to capitalize on it. I mean, that's just amazing to yeah. realize you don't even know that you have a brain injury, which brings us to, and with Lyme disease, um, I have to try and really be in the moment and remember, and there are, <laughs> this is a really funny story. You'll appreciate this. Somebody, I called somebody to talk about doing a book the other day. <laughs> and this person had a very traumatic brain injury. Um, and she actually had like part of her brain was missing. And she oh, started man. talking to me just like leaping into like, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm going to go to this different clinic. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be rude. But um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And so she's like, oh, okay, wait. Um, I just moved and I thought you were this person or whatever. And I was oh. like, and I can't remember who referred you. So um, we'll just start at the ground zero. So between the two of us, he can't remember. She's like, I don't remember either. So we're yeah. like, well, anyways, we're on the phone. Yeah. Right it sounds like my day every day. <laughs> But you have to laugh about it and it and laughter. We think there's power in anger. There's power in laughter, isn't there? There really is. There's healing in laughter. Yeah. You know, I have a brain injury, but the brain injury will never have me. That's the thing that I always say to people. Like I, you know, I'm not defined by this. I'm I'm disabled from it. And I get that but I'm, it, I'm not going to let it define me. And, and I, I do have it better than some people that have brain injury, um, huge brain injury problems. I, I'm able to be mobile. I was able to work at it, get my balance back. So there are a lot of things that I'm definitely physically happy about that I don't have to struggle with. Um, but everybody's disability is different. And you'll see people that have a, that have no arm. They, their arm is gone. Yeah. Well, they're not going to let it destroy them. You know, they're going to learn to work around it. Right. And, um, and I, think, I think people just need to be a little bit more patient. With Lyme disease, you don't, you don't see it. You don't know. I don't know how you're feeling when you wake up in the morning, and you probably feel like crap. Every um, day, baby. Every day. Yes. 
every day and that's and your joints and your muscles and everything oh that's been this week yeah and especially the changing of the season that Mm -hmm. is hard and so when I know that it's a struggle for you I'm not going to be like well come on hurry up and get those emails out or let's do this and (laughs) you know I think people just have to be more conscious and I I just have to tell you this this actually happened to me on what was it on Monday and I just kind of had to just take a moment before I let loose on a woman at Target in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, no. So there was a, at Target's bathroom where I was at, there is only two stalls working. Two of them didn't work. Um, and then of course there is the uh, handicap stall, right? Yeah. So I'm waiting in line and then there's a gal that comes in behind and she's in a wheelchair. And so the woman, the, it just so happened that there was the lady was done in the, uh, disabled stall and she comes out she opens up the door and and I turn around and behind me there's two women and then the gal who is disabled and I said will not you go ahead because that's what the stall is for it's for people that have a disability it yeah. takes people longer to use the bathroom uh, they need more space clearly I'm not gonna go in it when there's somebody waiting for it right and they may they may have um, bowel or bladder disorders too Exactly. Wait. No, exactly. And so uh, she said, Oh, thank you. And, you know, went right ahead. The woman behind me, it was like I threw hot coals in her face. (laughs) She was like, What? (sighs) Are you going to take her spot then? And then I just turned around and looked at her and I said, Well, I'm definitely not going to take a handicap bathroom or stall for somebody who's waiting in line that's disabled. I said, I'm not going to do that. And so I guess if that makes you happy, I will go to the back of the line because we're in kindergarten. (laughs) And I just was like, oh my God. So that's the no filter part of me. I'm severely sarcastic. And I just, I just can't even wrap my head around it giving her the the benefit of the doubt maybe she has a bladder disorder and she needed to get to the bathroom asap sure but i don't think waiting one more moment for somebody or being gracious to somebody that has a you know disability i don't think that that is any reason to be rude i just don't well, i think those- people are so entitled these days it just makes me sad it is, it is a sense of entitlement, you know, and those, those stalls are larger, like you said, for a reason to accommodate a wheelchair. So if a wheelchair is there, then, and, and even if the stall is, is free and then, you know, you're next in line, that's not for you. That's right. for the wheelchair. That's for the person in the wheelchair. Even when they're free and, and like you have your choice of stalls to choose from. Let's say there's three in a bathroom. You walk in and they're all available. You are not to take that stall. Well, you, and that's the thing that I don't think people get. It's yeah. like I, I, I always get this – this doesn't happen often, but it's happened a couple times in my life where I've said, oh, you know, go ahead. And mm-hmm. give, give the person that's disabled an option. Nope, nope, you know, I'm fine, I can wait. And that's happened. It actually happened at a Barnes & Noble. And so I was like, oh, are you sure? Yep, yep, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to at least give the option. And yeah, That's a good rule of thumb. 
Yeah, and then when there is an, an open door, I always choose, because I do have the choice. They don't have a choice. Right. I do. Yeah. So then I will always choose to do, you know, the smaller stall. Unless, it's, unless they're full and they're open and no one is behind me, of course. You know, you, that's what the bathroom is there. But when there's somebody that is disabled and needs the bathroom, you definitely should give them the choice. I mean, that's just common courtesy. It is common courtesy, and it's why it's there. It's why the the spots, the 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 parking spots that are marked for the vans. Yes. So I have a placard, and I'm going to have the best parking for the rest of my life. So Lyme disease, you can suck it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's the positive twist. Right? There it is. <laughs> you had to come out of some buried under sarcasm. But that's why we do not take those parking spots if no. they are for van accessible. Even exactly. If it means we have to walk. If if it means there's no other spot, because then we've completely eclipsed having anybody. Yeah, exactly. With the van, with you know, who needs to have access with their wheelchair? They can't even shop there then. No, it, no, right. And, you know, I had the choice. I had the choice. I said, do you want to have a, a parking pass or what? I'm a really stubborn woman. I'm, you know, you Girl, can ask my you family. I'm, that up. No. <laughs> I'm a stubborn woman. And I was like, eh, no, because I, I told the doctor, no, because I'm not going to be walking with this cane for a long. And she was like, well, you can't really say that. And I'm like, no, I can. I can. I can say that. <laughs> I love doctors. They're like, well, actually, theoretically, blah, 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 blah. So right. 5% of their whatever and shove it. Thank you. Okay. I know. And here I'm going to be, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. And I, I just, um, this is, again, one of my fake memories because it's been told to me so many times and it's so heartbreaking and I can just tell I mean I know it was me because both my mom and sister and you know my husband everybody's told me I did this but we had a family meeting and this was after I had my son and I had to take all those you know the brain tests and all this other stuff and yeah and he said um well I don't have good news uh she's never going to be able to hold a normal conversation again she's never going to be able to walk again normally uh and my mom was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, for the test, either she's a really good faker or she's, and he used this word, which a neurologist used this word, which is dumbfounding to me. Mm -hmm. But he said, because she's clinically retarded. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. And, you oh know. Oh my God. Uh, my mom, my mom said she was offended, obviously, um, by that. And she said, I perked up right away. And I looked at him and I said, watch me, watch me, you just watch. Good. And yeah. he was like, well, you're more than welcome on getting a second opinion. And I said, oh yeah, we'll get a second opinion. You just watch me. And him again. No, but the, the neurologist, I guess, that I went to afterwards, she was ugh, amazing. She was just like, you know, first of all, when you took those tests, you just had a baby. You're not getting the sleep that a brain would need anyways. <laughs> you're, mm -hmm. you, you know, your lack, lack of sleep, lack of coordination, motor, your motor skills weren't working. So, of course, you're going to be lagged. 
Um, anybody that has a traumatic brain injury and suffocation of the brain and a baby, go ahead and take those tests. See how, see how you mm -hmm. fare on that. And she, she was the one who basically just helped me get back on the path of, she said, what kind of phone do you have at the time? I had a Blackberry. I don't know if anybody remembers that. I'm so old. Um, but she said, awesome. here, give me your Blackberry. And she put in reminders and showed me how to work alerts and timers. And she said, when you're going to the store, she said, make sure you put it in when you went to the store. So then you remember where you went. Remember, make sure every time you feed Jake, make sure you put in there so he's not getting overfed. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. I mean, there were so many things that she helped me with. And, um, and for people with brain injury, I, anybody who's listening to this, you're going to totally get it. We have this internal, like, uh, grocery list. Most of us, every time I'd go to the grocery store, I'd get over amount of bread, Cheerios, and flour. I don't know why I was, what? like, thinking I was a baker for some reason. <laughs> But we had like 12 pounds of flour in the pantry and all this, I mean, all these Cheerios boxes. And it was like, it, it just so happens that in my brain, that's what I thought I needed, even though it wasn't on my list. You can make a list all you want, but it's something in your mind that goes, oh, no, no, I know I'm out of this. So I got to get it. Really? And, so oh, that, yeah. Okay. And see, I didn't know that. And that's crazy. I did have uh, one stint in my life where I couldn't stop buying frozen peas but that's yes. just because I felt like um, as a mom, you always need to have frozen peas. <laughs> so I just would be like, well, every time we go, well, we have to get more frozen peas. One day my kids are like, mom, we have like seven bags of frozen peas in here. We either have to start eating yes. or, you know, start beating each other up. I'm not sure. Right. So like, <laughs> like, get a pea shooter and start shooting things out, you know, like exactly. a pea gun. <laughs> And these are things that people don't know. So I have to ask you as the final question as we wrap today, and I've loved having you on. It has just Thank been you. Yeah, really enlightening. Um, are you writing your life story? Oh, man. Uh, I've had people ask me that. And honestly, I have to, I have to sit down for a minute, minute and just like wrap my head around what this life is and not to mention I would be interviewing a lot of family members because again I don't have a lot of memory in oh, that sure. so um that would be um kind of like a falsehood on some things that I could just do like what people recall yeah. I have I have journals and so I could write things down that I that I've written in the journals but a lot of it and I think a lot of people that are journaling with um any kind of disability a lot of it is very sad Mm, okay. So I think, you know, of course, with the humor part, <laughs> I would probably, people would be like, is this supposed to be sad or is she just really sarcastic? Um, I would have to probably put something kind of funny in there. But I, one day I would really love to, I would really love to write a book about it because then I hope then maybe it would help other people. Well, and I think you've gone on to do some amazing things and you've shared those amazing things today. And I just can't thank you enough. You really, thank you. yeah, you really opened a door to help us understand um, what it's like to live with a traumatic brain injury because we hear that. We see people, somebody got a concussion, um, you know, somebody had a car accident. Okay, they're recovering, they're doing okay. But these are long lived symptoms. 
yeah. that go on and that we are unaware of because the person on the outside looks like they're functioning just fine. And so for you and for everybody who needs this message today, I mean, it, it's just, it's priceless. And I think anybody that's listening with a brain injury, you know, don't be so hard on yourself and kind of mess with people on purpose when they call you say, who is this? I do that to my mom. She's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you have to, you have to just, you know, you have to still live. That's the thing. Keep living. Angela, thank you so much for being on today. I love ending on this note of laughter with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're in, you are an inspiration to me on everything you do. And thank you so much for spreading the word and having this podcast out there because you touch a lot of people by doing this. Oh, thank you. Life is surprising. There's no mistaking that, but we don't have to cave into the emotions that want to take us under forever. And it's not to say we shouldn't have feelings but don't let them take you hostage. Your life is worth more than that. And it can be better than it was before. I know that's hard to grasp sometimes. In a way, if it wasn't for Angela's brain injury, she wouldn't be an author traveling the States, potentially. She wouldn't have the insight that she does or the degree of sympathy that she does for people experiencing their own challenges Now she is a steward. Now she is a warrior and a crusader. The point is that the dream you have been entertaining your whole life can still be yours. And you might even have a bigger shot at that dream than you did before. Maybe what has happened to you is even the catalyst that you have been waiting for. Our gifts don't look like gifts sometimes until we unwrap them. Take a moment and consider Angela's message to you today. You can still have the life you want. To get in touch with Angela, please visit her site, AngelaHalgramson.com, and we will have that information for you, as usual, up on the podcast blog on sickbiz.com. One last thing, peeps. Will you take a few minutes of your time today to head on over to iTunes or wherever podcasts are available and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz? I've said it before, but reviews are the lifeblood of podcasts like ours and really any podcast. They, they are the wheels that set the car in motion on the smooth track, right? And besides... We recently celebrated a birthday of 100 podcasts. So how about a belated present? Maybe you can even make Robert cry with gratitude. Thank you in advance for your love and support. And we give it right back to you. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.